first of all, Bernie, welcome to the show. Thanks again. Thank for, you very much. Yeah. Thanks again for uh, taking some time to talk with me. You know, I, I've been uh, in the radio business from the start because my dad worked with uh, the Bob and Tom band uh, during the 90s. So, you know, uh -huh. I've, I've been around this from the start. And I'm wondering from you, uh, was this always uh, an ambition to work in radio from Absolutely. when you were a kid? Yeah. Oh yeah, I, 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 before I was ten years old, I wanted to be on the radio. So and, yes, it's it's been it's been a lifelong thing for me. And people always said, "Don't put all your eggs in one basket," but I, I did anyway. Was there a was there a talent in the family? I mean, what did your parents do for work? Uh, my my dad uh, was a fireman. My mom was a teacher. Yeah. And uh, so really, neither one of those had anything to do with radio. Yeah, and uh, I mean, what did they think of those career goals for you? My mom was one of those people, you know, because I'm, I'm totally blind. She, she right. wanted me to have the best of everything, anything that she could possibly do to make things work for me, she would do. Um, my dad was more realistic. He wasn't sure that I should go on the radio. Then of course, after I did, and he came to my little retirement party, he said he was proud of me. So there you go. Yeah. It kind of worked out. So your parents got to see uh, your success. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's kind of one of those things where, you know, a lot of times when you say, I want to go into radio, people don't really know much about the, the inner workings of radio, you know, so it's a different thing for them. Let me ask you, because I just don't know. It was before my time. How did society view people who were blind? I mean, what was the expectation of that group? Of people? Okay, well, that's a fair question. Um in terms of my going into radio, there were people who were not going to support me. I mean, they just weren't. Um, right. There were radio people who said, no, you can't do this. But then I landed with some really good people who said, sure, you can do this. Absolutely. And if you can't, we'll just fire you. Yeah, it really does come down to uh, ratings at the end of the day. But um, that and the fact that, you know, when you're totally blind and you come to a guy or a girl, whoever, and you say, hey, I can do this. And they go, well, OK, we'll give you a chance. And if you can, then you're in. And as far as like a education, I mean, you, you started out at the uh, Indiana School for the Blind, correct? And right. Just because right. I've never visited the campus. I mean, it, it's like any other school. It is. But at that time, we we actually all stayed on campus okay. all week. In other yeah, words, I, I would go, I would go to school on a Sunday night or Monday morning and not come home till Friday. Oh, wow. Yeah. So you had to be away from your parents. That had to be exactly. an investment for yeah. you, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I can remember, uh, I went to the University of Indianapolis to study radio and TV, and it was a daunting task to be away from my parents because I lived in Carmel and, and stayed home quite a bit. <laughs> what was... <laughs> What was, yeah, uh, I understand, <laughs> you what, know, it's yeah. like, I'm going, I'm going off to school and I don't see my parents until Friday. It's uh -huh. just kind of crazy. Right. And I mean, you ended up going to, um, Ball State, correct? For yes. College. I did. Was it, was it scary being in a remote place away from, I mean, were you near family in Muncie at any point? No, it, they, yeah. they lived down here on the South side. Um, and my, my parents would take me up and, this is the amazing thing. I would, I would have a schedule of all my classes right. and my mother would take me around the campus to every one of those classes to show me how to get there. And then we would go back to my dorm and I would take notes on everything she saw. And, uh, and she was so dedicated. It was just amazing. Well, and 
you know, um, Indiana historically has not always been the most progressive when it comes to no, uh, people no, with disabilities and stuff. What would you say now are the resources for people that are blind? I mean, are you comfortable navigating where you need to go? I mean, what, what needs to improve with that? I, you know, it's, it's interesting. I know that the, the bus service is okay here. It's not the greatest, but I don't usually need it because I'm, you know, I, I have my wife and I, we go places together and yeah. uh, I have family here and uh, they're very helpful with, with regard to that and things. So it's, it's not quite the issue. It might be for other people. I decided to, take the foot pedals out of the equation when I learned to drive because of my cerebral palsy and drive with hand controls. Um, your wife is the one that is usually your transportation from point A to point B. Yeah. Okay. Cause I don't get to drive. <laughs> right. They, they right. don't, they don't like blind people driving. They just don't. <laughs> I, uh, well, the reason I think of it, man, you, you were the morning guy at B one Oh five, seven for years. She had to get up early yeah, with you, right. You know, oh, so she had to, she had to get up very early and, uh, we're still married and she still had to do that. Um, <laughs> and, and so I would get up at like three fifteen and take a shower and get ready to go. And then she would get up about four. Right. And we'd have breakfast. And then we, before we left, we would go through the paper because back then we got the paper. We had a great paper person. And she knew uh, that I was on B105.7 and she made sure to get the paper there by 430. And so we would look through things in the paper uh, back when you could actually find information in the paper. And we, uh, I took notes or whatever I needed to do. And then we left and went to work and she came home. Right. She did. She did not stay. Uh -huh. She dropped me off and came home. Well, and, um, you know, you, you obviously have a career uh, talking as an air personality about music. I'm, I'm just curious. Did you have any interest in um, playing music or writing any? No, not really. I, uh, I, but you're right. I played a lot of music on the radio and, yeah. and I also DJed parties and weddings and things like that through my career. So, I mean, I definitely have a love of music and I have a brother who's uh, in a band or actually been in a couple of bands throughout his life. They're cover bands, but he's really, really good. Great guitar player, great singer, uh, great trombone player can, you know, yeah. do all that stuff. I could never do it. My dad had his own band in addition to working with Bob and Tom. And uh, it's a whole nother thing to go from speaking in public to singing in public. Sure. So I, I don't know how uh, musicians manage to do that. As far as like navigating on your feet like i'm just trying to put myself in your shoes you basically use your your ears as your eyes right i mean what pretty much yeah that's yeah. how you do it yeah. how are, what are you listening to as you're walking along well actually what you use a lot of times are uh, landmarks and yeah there are times when if you walk past an opening for instance as you're walking along and you know that opening is there but you can kind of hear it i know it's hard right. to explain that but it it makes everything sound a little bit different and so you can you can kind of know where that opening is because you hear it as you go by it it's like when i was really young uh we had a, a tandem bike and uh we would ride this bike and my mom would ride it with me. And she, she was always amazed because I could tell her when we passed a parked car because it, it just sounded different, you mm -hmm. know, and she had no idea that that was possible, but it, that's kind of what I did. There was a scene in uh, the movie Ray. I don't know if you've seen it, but uh, he's sitting there with his son getting ready for a trip to go play a concert and um, there's stitchings in his socks and shirts so that he knows 
what color it is. Um, I wanted to know if you had anything like that to be able to tell uh, you what color. Well, fortunately, are. now uh, my wife makes sure I don't look stupid when I go out in public. Right. Um, <laughs> but as I was growing up, you know, and I, I went to school for the blind and everything, uh, uh, my mom would make sure before I left for school that things matched and we put things together in certain ways and everybody has their own little systems for those but yeah you can find something that works well and i just you know i'm thinking of when when you're young and both in high school and college you know you want to you want to look good and be be cool yeah. for your friends you know so i know and then in college <laughs> i had to even do my own laundry oh lord <laughs> i still don't do my own laundry wow um, See, I had quarters and quarters and quarters <laughs> But you, um, you mentioned, uh, you went to the university of Indianapolis Yeah, and in a weird kind of way, that's where I got my start. Um, I was 14 and it was Indiana central back then. Right. And WICR was a 10 watt station. And I, because I was on the South side, I would listen to them a lot because they would play a lot of things that nobody else was playing and it was fun to listen to them. And so, uh, one day I called the guy on the air and I said, Hey, I'd kind of like to come down and hang out. Yeah. And he said, okay. And, uh, so I went down there and I was, keep in mind, I was 14 mm -hmm. and I knew everything. I mean, when you're 14, you know, everything, unfortunately, yeah. I never outgrew that. But at that time <laughs> he was on the air and he, uh, I kept saying, Hey, uh, Charlie, what you need to do is this. And why don't you do this, Charlie? Why, why can't you do that? And finally he said to me, do you want to take over the show? And I paused for a second cause I got scared. And I couldn't say no, because I, I right. came in with all this bluster and all this, you got to do this. Why don't you do that? So he showed me the board in 15 minutes and I took over his show. And that was the first actual time that I ran a board and was on the air. And it was so much fun, even more fun than I thought it would be. Yeah. Whenever you sit in front of the board, you feel kind of powerful. Um, <laughs> well, you kind of do. It's kind of yeah. silly, but it's uh, like I've told people before. It's like when you have a microphone in front of you, you're in charge. You're, you're the authority. When people listen to you, they, they are listening for what you are going to say. If they feel like it, you know, sometimes they don't, but they do sometimes. I was taught in school as far as, you know, the, the kind of approach that you want to have before you open the microphone, you want to pretend like you're talking to one person. Yes. Um, is that the approach that you have before opening yeah. the mic? And, and, and it really, it works that way. It's, it's kind of a silly thing but it really does work that way because then in essence you're talking to uh, hundreds of one persons you know right. everybody thinks you're talking just to them and it and that's how it's supposed to be preparation is always a, an important part of doing yes. a good sh uh, shift what if you had an hour of music how do you typically prepare bernie you mean like what what do i do to get ready for the show now or what did yeah I do then, just like or? I didn't know um, what kind of news items you prepare, if there's any sort of research that goes into what. Oh, yeah. Um, for, first of all, I wish I had an iPhone back in 1971 when I went to WICR. Because <laughs> yeah. I, I use the iPhone for all kinds of things. I have a, a friend who sometimes will send me information, and, and my wife is real good about helping me with stuff. And then I just write it out in Braille. And I take it to work and, and some of it gets used, some of it doesn't, but it, it's always there and it's always handy to have it. And when you do your preparation, you said you have to do it out in, in Braille. Yeah. Are you, not in Braille. are you essentially doing it twice because you have to write it out? I mean, I'm just wanting to make sure I understand. Okay. What, yeah. what happens is somebody will tell me something. They'll read me the information right? and I will 
either, you know, just copy it down what they're saying or, you know, copy it down in my own words. Perfect. You know, for instance, if my wife says, Hey, here's a great story about uh, Elton John. So she'll read it to me and I'll just take a few notes. Okay. And then when I'm on the air, I can make those notes sound, you know, like I read the story, you know, so that's how that works. Well, I, I was just thinking, you know, early on in your radio days, we weren't dealing with computers. You were dealing with like real to real tapes where you had to oh, yeah. slice true. and dice yeah. stuff, right? Yeah. Yeah. I used to edit uh, on real to real electronically. It was kind of neat because we had uh, at okay. WENS, especially we had two real to real machines. So yeah. I could take something from one and I could do a pretty good electronic edit to the other. I never actually, I didn't trust myself to cut things up with tape. <laughs> I just, <laughs> I was afraid to do that. So yeah. I did it electronically and I got to where I could hear it well enough that it worked. Well, and um, you know, I'm thinking about when I would walk into the air studio, you know, everything in, on the console kind of has its place, its location. Yes. Do you have a particular setup with, with what you want? Uh, you know, it's, it's kind of nice. I mean, especially now because, uh, most of what I do is uh, called voice tracking. In other words, I go right. in and I, I record the show. And so, um, my wife will take me in, she'll set me up on the particular day and time that I, I have to do, because that's something you can't do as a blind person. Unfortunately, you can't, you can do a lot of the stuff. I mean, I can do everything else after that, but I cannot set up the day and the right. time. So she'll do that. And then she'll leave and maybe go read or whatever she wants to do, or <laughs> of course she, she's got to wait for me, but mm -hmm. um, then I can actually do it. I can advance everything. I can go to the next track and all that stuff. So uh, that, that works pretty well. Well, and, I, and I'm just curious, cause I, I wore leg braces uh, growing up and it took longer to uh, put on my shoes. Is there anything that the average person takes for granted that takes you longer to do? Uh, show prep, as you were talking yeah. about earlier, yeah, just that. Me a lot longer to do because, and even like writing out a music log, you know, I have to write out the music log so I know what's coming up or, you know, back in the old days, I had to write out commercial logs and I always thought nobody else has to do this, but it, it didn't bother me because it was like, I'm on the radio. I don't care. I'm loving this. I mean, right. when I, when I finally you know, landed on the radio and then I ended up on WENS doing afternoons and then B105.7 doing mornings and all that. I, I used to, I would like walk around the control room sometimes and I would think, wow, this is, this is my room right now. Nobody else can have this room right now. And lots of people would like to, but I got lucky enough to get here. Well, and a, an unusual part of uh, doing radio is that you're sort of, you're in the room by yourself. Did, did that appeal to you as, as far as being able to isolate yourself and sort of be, you know, I never really thought about it that much. I mean, it was fine. It was, it was great to be on the radio, uh, whether it was by myself or whether there were people around, it didn't, you know, but yeah, I mean, I, I was certainly okay being alone in a studio. We make the joke that like air personalities try to appeal to as many as they can, but sometimes they're not the most personal in real life, because they, they just want to concentrate on what they're doing in studio, I guess. That's that is so true. I mean, a lot of people are different off the air than they are on the air. You know, they, they're just some people are very shy. Uh, yeah. and, and then when they get on the air, they, they just they flip a switch and they go nuts. It's great. <laughs> it's amazing how people can do that. And I'm just curious, um, because I would think it's it's a career path that a lot of people who are blind would pursue. Do you know any other air personalities here or elsewhere uh, that are blind. you would now you would actually think that that would be uh, a perfect career for blind people but mm 
Uh, it apparently is not. And I, I had my share of difficulty getting into it too, because I had people who told me, no, we can't hire you. You're blind. You can't possibly do this. And mm -hmm. so fortunately I got lucky and I landed with some really good people, not just uh, people like Rick Cummings and Jeff Swain at uh, WENS when I got there in 1981, but even before that, when I was uh, starting out and uh, at WERK in Muncie, Paul Mendenhall was there and he was the program director and he basically never made me feel like he doubted me at all. I had a, a friend, I have a friend, Mark Prout, who took me to Hartford City, Indiana, where he was working. <laughs> and uh, he showed me the board and he let me take over. And I thought, wow, this is great. There are people out there who really will do this. And right. I got real fortunate finding those people. Something that I've struggled with, and I'm I'm working my way through it. I, I, it's hard for uh, people with disabilities to to make a mistake because they feel like they're going to lose whatever it is. Um, You're right. How do you handle mistakes and, and get that stigma out of your head? Well, fortunately, I just never make them. No, no, that's not true. That's a total right. lie. Edit that out. Uh, okay. No. <laughs> Actually, um, I, I hate the thought because I know that there's somebody out there who's going to say, well, he made that mistake because he's blind. Right. And, and you just know somebody's going to think it and somebody might even say it. But you just you just try really hard not to make them, and that's that's the best you can do. I mean, I used to tell people, and this this really annoys a lot of blind people, uh, because I say when when you go into any industry as a blind person, you have to be better mm. than than the person behind you. Because it's like when I got on the radio, especially here in Indianapolis, I'm like I've, I've made the big time here. This is great, and I thought you know, there's got to be somebody there going. I'm as good as he is. I'm as qualified as he is. Right. And I can see. And so it's kind of difficult because you have to say, okay, well, I got to be better than that person who can see. And a lot of blind people don't like it when I say that because it's, it kind of, it hits them a little hard, I think. I kind of felt that, that I had to work harder than, than my counterparts. Do you think if we blindfolded somebody that they would be able to do what you do? Not at the outset. I think it would be very difficult. It would be kind of funny, though, because there are a couple of people I would love to do that to uh, because they they just don't seem to understand sometimes. You know, I uh, I thought one time uh, one of my program directors, I thought, you know, you would be a kind of guy I'd like to blindfold and have you come in and play radio because it's I mean, really, if you if you've seen and you put a blindfold on, first of all, it's not fair because you you have not been blind all your life. Right. You know, you're just blind yeah. for the minute. So it's a whole different deal, really. That makes total sense. And, yeah. you know, was there ever, because you've been uh, on the air for so long and had such great success, was there ever an opportunity to go elsewhere? It's funny because when I, when I got into radio, it was one of those things where people did that thing where they worked in a town or a city for a couple of years. And then they went to another town and another city and kind of thought of it as a stepping stone to the big time. And right. I, I ended up at, uh, with Emmis in Indianapolis. And uh, there were a couple of times when I did send out some tapes to other stations. And, and then one day I thought, wait a minute, this is the best I've got it made here. This, it doesn't get a whole lot better than this. And so I just stopped doing it because I, I, I would never be as happy somewhere else as I am here. So, yeah. you know, it, it's just a great place. And, and, um, 
you know, they, it's like I said, a lot of people along the way who have helped me, they didn't think twice about it. They just did it. And I have known blind people who have wanted to get into radio and could not find that connection. And I, mm -hmm. I hate that for them, but it, it just happens. Well, and, you know, one of the scary things for me, especially as a young man trying to <laughs> navigate this entertainment sphere, like it's, it's hard to own a home or, you know, have anything stable because of the business and how quickly you can be gassed out. Oh, exactly. How it and works, so, you know? you know, when I ended up here and like, you know, I've been here for 41 years, right. uh, <laughs> it's like crazy. It's, it's hard to believe that actually happened. You've talked about it a little bit, like, did Emmis make any accommodations to the studio itself to help you out? I'm just trying. Well, to... it's kind of interesting. When I first started, uh, they really didn't have to because everything I needed, I brought with me. I had a Braille writer, which would enable me to take notes on anything and write out music logs. And I also had something called a label maker, which, uh, you, you know, label makers are just normal you know, label maker, but uh, this had Braille on it. And so anything I needed to braille back in the old days, we used carts, which looked mm -hmm. a lot like eight tracks, but, uh, I put braille on every single one in the studio, every one that mm -hmm. I might ever need. But now of course it's all on hard drive. And so you don't have to do that. Um, yeah. the, the fact is that, that at first they didn't have to, to make any accommodations really, but when we went to computer, when we went to hard drive and we put everything in, into a hard drive, there were no CDs in the studio, no cards, no nothing. Yeah. Uh, they did have to make some uh, adjustments for me. Uh, and uh, in fact, our, our engineer, when we first went to this, talked to one company and, uh, and they said, well, we can't really help a blind person. So maybe mm. you should just let him go. <laughs> and of course, our engineer was not happy. He, he was a very loyal guy and, and still is. And um, so he, he wouldn't put up with that. And so finally they found a company that said, oh yeah, we can, we can accommodate that. We can, we can work around this. And, and they did. And uh, since then we switched to uh, even another company and fortunately they, they found a way around uh, working with a blind person too. So uh, it can be done if you find the right people. Folks probably don't always realize that you are blind, but do they recognize your voice ever in public? <laughs> Actually, it, it does happen from time to time. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of funny when it does, because I never think twice about that stuff. But yeah, it has happened uh, at a restaurant. If I'm ordering something, uh, uh, the waiter <laughs> or waitress will recognize my voice. And so, yeah, it, it happens. But it, it's just kind of an interesting thing, you know, about uh, being blind, because People don't know, and I never mention it on the air. I never refer to it at all. And I, I don't, I don't, I know some blind people who are on the air do. Uh, I just never do. You, you mentioned that uh, you're married and that your wife helps you get from point A to point B. Do you have kids, Bernie? I didn't know. If I did. do. Yeah. I have, I have two kids. She has three kids. And uh, so, wow. yeah, we, yeah. What does it feel like to be a grandparent and have the time to, to spend with them, man? Well, unfortunately, we don't get much time because they live in Evanston, the, the oh, ones really? with the, and then we have a, a, a grandchild in Brownsburg. So, you know, it's, it's kind of a distance too, but when we see them, it's a lot of fun. And it's funny. My own kids were very different when they were young. I had one, I, I had two boys. I had one who was very protective of his blind father. Mm -hmm. I mean, very protective. And then I had the other one who would really just assume pull a trick because I couldn't see him do it. 
And so the, <laughs> the one brother would tell on the other brother, and it was great. You know, I thought about your uh, retirement because I remember tuning in and, and seeing the Facebook Live on, on your last day. Oh, yeah. It, it yeah. seems like you're working more now than when you retired, man. It's funny because people say that all the time, and I, I think it's because I'm on in, in different times all the time now. Right. I'm not the same. It's not the same. I was doing afternoons when I retired, but people hear me at different times now, so I think that may be part of that. But that retirement, speaking of that, that was – that was such an unbelievable day for me. I mean, it was just absolutely amazing. My family was there, all kinds of Jeff Smullyan came in, uh, Rick Cummings, a programmer from LA, uh, mm-hmm. flew in. It was just, it was incredible. And uh, it's just one of the, like my, my parents had never seen the studio mm-hmm. until that day. So it was a lot of fun to do that show. What does it mean to uh, not only get, uh, recognition from the folks that listen to you, but also your peers in the business. That has to mean something. It's, it's just, well, it's amazing. I, I'm always really nervous around my peers. You know? Yeah. Like, right. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's pretty amazing. Did the pandemic limit what you could do in retirement? I kind of thought about that. Like, Oh, you probably wasn't able to travel too much. Uh, we were kind of bummed out about that actually, because yeah. we thought, you know, after we retired, we, we'd be able to, you know, do whatever we want, go wherever we want. And uh, yeah, that, that definitely put, uh, put some restrictions on it. And the funnier thing about that is when I retired, I thought I was done. And uh, Sean Copeland, who does mornings for B105.7, mm-hmm. became program director. And he, uh, he called me one day and he said, uh, one of my first goals is to get you back to part time. <laughs> I was like, okay, I'll do that. And I, when I retired, I was really ready to go. I, uh, I wasn't really burned out on radio, but I didn't want to get burned out on radio. And, uh, so I thought it's, it's time. And then he called me, uh, less than a month later and it's like, everything got renewed. It was a new spark. Everything was just, I mean, it was all fun again, and it still is. It's kind of funny how that worked. You were inducted into the Indiana Radio Hall of Fame in uh, 2018. Yes. What does that mean to you, Bernie? That was outstanding. That was, And what's funny is initially it was my son who who really wanted me in there, and he he sort of started trying to figure out how to do it. And then, of course, he had to enlist my wife's help. And then uh, Dave White, the guy who's in charge of it, was a big help, and uh it was just amazing. It's it still, it's something I'll never forget. What is the nomination process for that? It's, it's difficult. It's, uh, you know, yeah. cause sometimes I think I'd like to nominate somebody to be in the hall of fame. And I, <laughs> I don't know, there's a lot that goes into it. You know, you got to get uh, old pictures and you've got to get audio and you, you know, you, you've got to have all your stats just right. And uh, it's hard. It's difficult to get it done, but well, when you can, it's really worth it. I don't know if you know the minutia of it. I mean, is it ultimately a board that decides on who gets in? I mean, I just don't know. Yeah. I mean, yeah. they, they could say, no, we don't want Bernie Egan in the hall of fame <laughs> or they could say, okay, you're, you're in, you know? And I'm, I mean, I think by the time somebody is to that level, odds are pretty good. They're going to get in because everybody in the, in the room would know them, you know, they would know who they are at least have heard them or seen them or whatever you know, whether it's TV or radio or whatever. And so I think, you know, based on that, it would, uh, it's almost a no brainer if you're nominated and somebody comes across with all the information they need, 
you're probably going to get in. And not that this was your goal at any point, but I feel like getting into the Hall of Fame, the Indiana Radio Hall of Fame, certainly silences any doubters that you may have had. Was there ever that sense of, I proved myself, look where I'm at, you know? You know, I don't, I never really thought about that. I just thought that was just a very cool thing that happened to me. I, I, I think that the doubters, I think that came along as I went through radio all the way. Um, mm-hmm. There's a, a blind guy who works in, uh, in Dallas and he, uh, he and I were, were friends. We knew each other cause he went to school for the blind. He, he said, uh, Bernie, you, you do not know how much you did for other blind people. You, you didn't just open the door for blind people. You knocked the door down. Mm. And so I thought, wow, that's, you don't get a whole lot better than that. You know, if you can do that for somebody, that's great. Well, and, you know, we, we've had a, a tumultuous couple of years uh, in yes. this country. How important is music to the healing of what's going on in the world and, and to you personally, Bernie? I hate to say, but I don't like a lot of the new music. I, uh, I never thought <laughs> it would come to that for me. I, I used to, when I was younger, I would watch American Bandstand and all these shows. And I thought, man, I want to be a DJ and I'm going to like all this music all the way through my life until I die. <laughs> well, that, that didn't happen. It uh, kind of started fading away in the late nineties, I think for me. Do you listen to any uh, air personalities and what do you, what do you listen for? Um, I listen to a lot of people, um, uh, especially I, I try to listen to people who I work with so that I know what they're talking about. But yeah, I mean, growing up, I listened to a lot of people. And in fact, uh, some of the people who helped me along the way uh, were people I listened to before I got, you know, in, like, for instance, at uh, WENS, uh, a guy named Scott Wheeler works there or worked there. And he worked all over Indianapolis uh, years before that. And I used to listen to him all the time. Uh, Rick Cummings, same thing. You know, then, of course, you get people like Buster Bodine on WNAP or Chris Connor or any of those uh, people. And you listen to them as you're growing up and you, you love what you're hearing. And it just sounds like so much fun. You got to do it. That's kind of what it comes down to. Yeah, man. I I think, uh, I don't know if you've heard the quote from uh, Letterman, but he said that the, uh, the entertainment industry is just high school with money. (laughs) That's what it is. (laughs) Pretty much true. (laughs) Um, Radio has changed quite a bit uh, since oh, yeah. you started. Uh, yeah. Where where do you see radio going in the coming years? Well, that's a good question. I was afraid you were going to ask that. Because <laughs> um, it's, I, I don't know. And people always say, well, radio is, is not keeping up with the times. Radio's dragging their feet. And I'm not sure that they have a choice. Um, when I did mornings on B105.7, I the first thing I did when I got on the air is I felt like I need to make sure people know what's happening. And of course I had a news person, Kelly Vaughn was my last news person. And we, you know, we would talk together about things going on she would do news, but I would do the other stuff. And, you know, it's like, okay, uh, here's what you can expect weather-wise today. And here's, uh, you know, this, we had traffic people, you know, mm-hmm. to, to let people know what's going on there. And I would talk, you know, human interest stuff around town and all that kind of stuff. But now, unfortunately, when I first get up in the morning, the first thing I do is go for my phone. You know, I don't turn the radio on right away, you know. And so it, it's a different world. And it happened very quickly. I hate asking this question because I, I love this business. But 
would you recommend being in entertainment now? It's it seems a little crazy to even try. You know, it's it's so funny because every time I think no, then I I see a guy or girl who who actually makes it work for them. You right. know, and and they they become more innovative. You know, sometimes you got like a a, a producer, for instance, and this producer finally says hey you know what i don't think i want to be a producer anymore i think i want to go into sales and so they go into sales and therefore that opens the door for another person to be the producer so uh, there are definitely ways to get in there aren't as many there aren't i mean for instance we don't have uh somebody working overnight mm. we we voice check the overnight and so therefore you you lose a shift right there right. uh and in fact a lot of our shifts are voice tracked in-house. You know, that's a good thing about it. There are people who are there uh, voice tracking it, but you don't have enough room for more people. And I hate it for blind people because I think it's even more difficult uh, based on uh, the, the industry now for them. Yeah. Well, and, you know, I thought about you and like being a Pacers fan, for instance, like radio is so important to the local news and just, an exchange of information that to me is its most important purpose, you know? Oh yeah. And it's so funny <laughs> because I, uh, I do love the Pacers and I, yeah. uh, once in a while I will see Mark Boyle somewhere. And, and that's kind of a cool thing because if you're in this industry, when you see somebody who's in the industry, they kind of know who you are and you can, you, you yeah. can talk to them a little bit more uh, freely. But every time I talk to him, I say, Mark, you know, I got to tell you, you do such a good job oh. describing these games. And his first comment always is, that is a real compliment coming from someone with no sight. Mm -hmm. And so I think he's, he's getting confused because the fact is he's describing the game in theory to someone with no sight because you're not seeing the game on the radio, you're hearing it. Mm -hmm. And so he, I don't know why he says that, but, uh, Mark, if you're listening, uh, I hope I clarified that for you. <laughs> I met Mark too, man. He he's a he's a great guy, and oh, yeah. uh, you know it's unbelievable when he does away games. As much as we loved Slick when he was with him, he can do it by himself. That's the other amazing. I know, I know, yeah. and, and you know there yeah. are a lot of those guys that are around the league that do that, and they sometimes have somebody with them, sometimes they don't. Yeah. Uh, but Slick was just so much fun to have there, and uh, right. Mark had such respect for him that it it made it a lot of fun. What's next for you, Bernie? Are you wanting to do uh, like a podcast or something different? I don't know. The thing about podcasts, and you you do one, obviously. And how long yeah. have you been doing this? Uh, we're coming up on two years. I started wow. in summer of 2020. So what made you decide to do this? I was tired of doing like the cookie cutter basic interviews. And I just wanted to talk to people that I care about and think are cool. And you're yeah, one that, of those that ones, way you could so. take your time with it too. Ladies and gentlemen, we're talking to Jimmy Kennedy here. Thank you for being <laughs> the show with us. Uh, so, yeah. so you just decided one day you're going to do your own podcast. And it was during the pandemic. And uh, actually the first use of it was to, try to talk about trump and the, the corruption that he had in the oh, beginning. okay That's not to cool. make it political but you know yeah. uh right. it was a you. scary yeah. time back then uh it still yeah. is yeah. um uh so so you, yeah. just, you started doing this podcast and you mm -hmm. got uh, people to believe in you do you uh have yeah. any clue at all uh how many listeners you get i do get some stats from, from the place that publishes it and the average is only like 40 i mean you're not going to get uh, a wide 
uh, see that's face. that yeah, yeah that's the point about yeah. podcasts it's right. it's very there are so many of them you know that it's hard to, to actually lock down a, a huge audience for one you know mm-hmm. uh which is the same with internet radio stations you know a lot of people run internet radio stations and and i'm thinking how in the world can you make a go of internet radio that's right. got to be really yeah. difficult just to help with uh, my performance, Bernie, when you're in a studio or, or recording, do you stand up? Or uh, yeah, I generally do. Although right now I'm sitting down because it's it's in my office here at home <laughs> and it's more comfortable. Yeah. But yeah, yeah I sure. um, like when I'm recording, when I'm voice checking for the station, or when I'm reading a commercial or whatever, uh, I usually stand up. Do you have any kind of um, warm up or routine to get your voice ready to go? Mm, I drink a beer or two, and then no, I'm kidding. <laughs> I, that is a total lie. No, um, you know, I would like to say yes. I would like to say yes. I have this uh, routine that I go through. It's a breathing exercise that I started back when I was 12. And uh, no, I don't. Right. I, I have nothing. I walk <laughs> in, I clear my throat, drink some coffee or whatever, and then I play radio. <laughs> one of the program directors that I uh, had said that one of the most important things to being an air personality is being authentic. What qualities are you looking for in an air personality when you listen? I to think them? that's exactly right. You got to be authentic. You got to, I mean, if you're not, then you got to fake it so well that no one knows mm-hmm. that you're not. I mean, it just helps. It helps to be, you have a warmth. If you have a warmth, that's, that's a plus. That's huge. You know, if you know your stuff, you know, when you play a song and you say, oh yeah, so-and-so did that song. And it was originally done back in 1964 by this group. Uh, hmm. you know, people respect that, you know, so you, you have to know what you're talking about. You've obviously spent several decades in the radio business. What, uh, life lessons have you learned from being in this? Well, I I've learned that for me personally, um, I, I could not take no for an answer when I wanted to get in radio. And so it, it just, it was really kind of difficult, but I got there and I, I just, I still love it. It's still fun. And I don't know how much longer I'm going to be in it because there are a lot of other things going on with the company and everything. But, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, uh, I'm still having a good time. I'm still, I, I never really think of it as work. I just play. And a lot of folks are facing adversity, dealing with their own stuff. Uh, what advice do you have for anybody that's facing adversity right wow. now? You got to, you know, because I, I think what happens is the, the worst thing that happens initially is you just get depressed. Mm-hmm. and you have to try so hard to work out of that. Cause I mean, that happens even to my wife and me, we, you know, we'll walk around the house and we're just like, yeah, we, we really shouldn't go anywhere because of this virus. So I guess we'll <laughs> stay home, you know, and, but you have to, you have to kind of, it's a mindset and it's much easier said than done to do that. For folks that want to reach out to you, how can they reach out? Uh, they can't. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, not available, folks. <laughs> I'm kidding. I I don't uh, do much of that. Uh, critique people and stuff. Um, I I don't I don't think I'm in a good position to do that anymore because I'm not in programming. But uh, you know, I'm on I'm on Facebook. I'm on Twitter, and I'm on uh, B105.7 uh, every weekend, noon to six, Saturday and Sunday, and then sometimes even part time during the week. So uh, I'm definitely out there and I'm accessible. Uh, so I am available. Well, Bernie, it's it's an absolute joy uh, to have you on the show. And folks, to listen to this again, you can check out my website, jbkonair.com, or get the podcast anywhere by searching JBK On Air. Until next time, 
Have a great day and a better tomorrow.